Welcome to the Rise Priestess podcast, a place for women just like you who are in the process of claiming their callings, rising into priestesshood, and building a legacy. This is where values-driven women come to learn how to unleash their gifts and share them unapologetically with the world to unlock deep contribution and potent prosperity. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Coxon. I'm an author, yoga teacher, activist, and business mentor. I bridge together feminine-inspired leadership and divine masculine action that quantum leaps you into an expansive experience of life and business. I believe that business is a vehicle for not only living a more purposeful and free life, but for also contributing to social and ecological healing. I live in a coastal town in Portugal and have been channeling my inner priestesshood into various heart-centered businesses since 2016. Back then, I left my life as an archaeologist to play my part in the reawakening of the feminine. Although I now run a successful mission-driven business, it's been quite the journey. I've had to move past imposter syndrome, own my gifts, make friends with money, step into feminine leadership, dismantle toxic conditioning, and learn ethical marketing practices. I'm here to help you on your journey to living life and doing business on your terms. From guest interviews to solo heart riffs to laser coaching sessions, this podcast is here to inspire you to reclaim the feminine, live your dharma, and get paid for being you. So sit back, take a deep breath, sister, and let's dive into today's episode. Hi guys and welcome back to the podcast and as you can see I have rebranded. So this show is now no longer called Women Who Prosper. It's now called Limitless with Dr. Sarah Coxon. And the reason that I've rebranded is because really Women Who Prosper was part of a an old identity and it, it didn't really reflect the scope of this work. My mission, my vision for this work has become really so much more expansive and I really wanted this, the, the name of the podcast to really reflect this and limitless is a word that just keeps coming up along with priestess but limitless and priestess, oh so it's now Limitless with Dr. Sarah Coxon, yay! And you know, this podcast, I've been really feeling into what is it for? And it's for women who are walking around feeling like there's something wrong with them, but at the same time, deep down, recognize that just perhaps they've been sold some kind of bullshit about how life is and how they should be. And it's for women who are yearning to express themselves fully and live life authentically as themselves. It's for women who are pissed off about the devaluation of the feminine and they're ready to take matters into their own hands and rediscover their inner magic, their inner power, their inner superpowers. It's for women who are ready to be brave and to look social expectations in the eye and walk the other way to become themselves. So this is the podcast for you if you want to reclaim your feminine power, if you want to reclaim that witchiness inside of you and you want to live as yourself, free and limitless. 
And I believe that every woman should have a mentor, someone who is walking the path, who is in process too, who is there to love on them, guide them and support them. And most women don't get access to this. So we find ourselves having mothers who are uh, perhaps not doing this kind of work and they're blinded by their conditioning. Um, you know, no blame there. It's just, let's call it what it is. Or we have teachers who still subscribe to this patriarchal bullshit model of life. I want to be that loving mentor to you. I want you to feel that when you listen to this, it's like a big loving hug from another sister who just totally gets it. And you're reminded of who you are and what you deserve and what you're here for. You're reminded of your power. So if this podcast is having an impact upon your life, then please, you really help me by paying it forward, by subscribing and leaving a review. And this helps more women such as yourself to come across it and also get the guidance and the mentorship that they deserve. And my deepest desire is that this podcast grows, but it can only do that if you as a community help me. So thank you, thank you in advance. And also, I'm really excited to announce to celebrate this rebrand, I'm running a competition. So you can win a 60 minute deep dive mentoring session with me, where I will be there to love on you, to show you your power, and to help you get clear on the next steps to becoming who you are on this planet to be. So if you want that, if your body is like, oh my gosh, that's really exciting, and a little bit scary, that's your sign to lean in. And all you have to do to be in with a chance of winning it is to screenshot your favorite episode from the podcast so far. So that's all the way back to July, I think is when I um, started it. Write a few words about why you love this and then share it on your Instagram stories. So make sure you tag me at Dr. Sarah Coxon and the winner will be announced on Friday the 1st of May, 2020. So you have until then to get your entry in, but if you have a tendency to procrastinate or to forget, then do it now. Screenshot this now or screenshot another episode now or write it in your schedule that you're gonna do it because this mentoring session will change your life. Now, in this episode, I want to share in detail my story of domestic abuse and violence. And I do this because even years later, it is medicine for me and it's medicine for the feminine. And if I save one woman's life by recording this, then it's worth it. Now, I still have fear that the person in question is going to come after me with a lawsuit. He threatened that. Um, and I, I still have this fear, I can feel it, that I'm going to be punished somehow for speaking my truth. But I know what happened. And I know it wasn't right. And I know my value. And I know that he lost his rights the moment he laid a hand on me. But this also isn't about him. My hope is that he is on his own healing path. And I, I truly wish him the best. I know that his actions were because of his childhood trauma. And this situation is an opportunity for him to have his wake-up call. We don't speak now, and I still feel love for him as a human being, but I am, of course, still feeling anger about the abuse that I allowed myself to endure because I had been conditioned as a woman to endure it. 
And before we get started, this episode is sponsored by the Limitless Living Guided Meditation and 11-page Digital Guide. So this is an absolutely amazing resource if you know that you're here for bigger things but you you find yourself procrastinating or lacking clarity or just lacking confidence and just really not knowing how you can move forward. So in this guide, you'll discover exactly what you need to focus on to free yourself up and program yourself for a life beyond limits. And there's also a powerful Theta meditation that will get you started. So you can visit www.moonmagicmiracles.com forward slash limitless living, or you can click the link in the show notes and download it now. And if you tend to forget about these things and think, oh, that's a good idea, and then just forget, just stop the show for a moment, download it now, and I promise you it will be the best decision you've made all week. So let's get back to the episode. Have you ever looked back on a situation that turned sour and realized just how many red flags you ignored? This is what I want to speak about in this podcast episode. The red flags that we ignore and why we ignore them and specifically I'm going to be using my own story about the relationship with my ex to kind of illustrate this for you. The reason I share this story like I said is that it's medicine for me even though it's many many years later now it's still something that I believe very passionately about sharing and I don't know if I've really shared it in as much detail as I'm about to in this episode. Um, I think there is a lot of um, transformation that can occur from sharing our story and of course there's part of me that's like oh god do I really want to share this like does anybody really want to hear this but I know that if I had heard a woman's story quite as candidly as I'm about to share it if I had heard that a few years ago perhaps I would have reflected upon my own decision and my own situation differently. So I'm not going to name names and I'm going to keep some parts of it vague in terms of um, in terms of dates and where um, where we were when this happened and all this was unfolding. and I do that because not to protect his identity, but just to protect myself, actually. So, um, so long as I don't name him, I can't be sued for defamation. And I will get to this later on, but he actually did threaten to sue me. So I can feel my heart still like beating now. There's adrenaline pumping through my veins, thinking, oh shit, what if he comes across this episode? What then? But this is about me, this is about my story, and this is about why I ignored red flags, and why we as women ignore red flags. So anyway, few years back, I meet this guy, and very, very quickly, we get into a relationship together. And I recognize now that what happened was that I was love bombed. So 
I was actually a very, very happy single woman. I had come out of a very long-term relationship a few months back and I was really in this kind of process of, I was doing my yoga teacher training. I was um, absolutely loving myself, my feminine spirit, and I was exploring myself and exploring my my expansiveness. And, um, you know, I just really, really love myself. And of course, being in that energy, I attracted this guy into my life. Actually, we met through a mutual friend. And, um, you know, I was, I was magnetic. So of course, he was attracted to me. And I really, at that moment in time, I was like, well, it'd be just kind of fun to have a little bit of fun. But very, very quickly, we became quite serious. And I remember feeling in the pit of my stomach like, "Mm, oh, it's maybe moving a little bit too quickly. Um, You know, I think he had this because this was a thing back then when your Facebook relationship status was important. And he, within a few weeks, wanted to make it official on Facebook. And I remember this kind of like not in my stomach of like, oh, I'm not sure about that. But then I overrode it and I was like, okay, well, you know, here's this guy. He's like being really nice and supportive of you and why don't why won't you accept his love Sarah and I had all of this shit going on in, in my head so I was like okay I'm gonna go with this and about six weeks into our relationship we were out in a bar with friends and um there was something that happened where he shot me such a look of contempt that my body froze and I didn't know what I had done wrong and it was like I can't even describe this look but it just flashed across his eyes and then he wouldn't talk to me so I had no clue really what was going on I went to the toilet and I cried I cried and cried and cried and cried and my friend at the time um came into the toilet said what's up what's up and I said you know he's just he's just done this I I um and she said to me you know what you don't have to continue dating him, you know. And I couldn't even comprehend that. It couldn't, there was something within me that was like, no, but I do. And so I questioned myself. I started questioning like, well, maybe I just need to do this whole girlfriend thing better or maybe I need to just, you know, behave better. And I apologized to him and we continued. And throughout our relationship there were moments like that there were moments that got and it and actually it ex- escalated now this is not to say that I was some perfect girlfriend to him I absolutely wasn't there were moments when I was having emotional not physical but emotional affairs with two guys different at different times and that was later on in the relationship actually because I I know now that it was just because I wasn't getting my needs met and I, I I didn't feel valued and I had to find that external validation. Now I'm not sure that I would go down that route necessarily, having grown as I have, but I, I can see why. So I was no angel, absolutely no angel. Um, but the situation really, it really escalated over the number of years that I was with him. And it was always exacerbated by drink. If either one of us had been drinking, the drink would, you know, and and this is not excessive drinking. It could be just a few glasses of of wine. 
but the drink would heighten my feelings of not being enough for him and feeling like he was always criticizing me so I would be very very sensitive and for him the drink would be a catalyst for violence in terms of verbal abuse uh, there were moments when he would ring me up um, having got absolutely shit-faced with his friends ring me up out of the blue and tell me that he had no idea why he was with me and that he deserved better and this was out of the blue like we were in like happy la la land um, and I would cry myself to sleep and then wait for him to message me in the morning and he wouldn't and then I would send him a message and be like hey what happened and we would gloss over the whole thing because I just couldn't I couldn't bear to go there um, and there were times when, again, a lot of, a lot of drink had been drunk, drunk, um, and he would smash my things. And it all came to a head. We had moved to a tropical island together, and we were not in a particularly good place. A few months before, I had been to, um, I'd been to Peru and Bolivia, on a work trip, actually this is when I was working, uh, I was working for a tour operator as an archaeological consultant and I basically took a bunch of geriatrics around Peru and Bolivia for a month and it was a, I was a managing the tour and it was pretty grueling. But when we were in Bolivia what happened was, and so I was away from my ex for um, amount of time and he was also working a lot away so we were spending a lot of time apart. And it was almost like the the window of freedom that I needed at that moment in time, although I didn't really recognize it. And so what happened in was that there was it's such a cliche and I can't believe I'm sharing this with you guys, but I'm going to do it anyway. There was this um, tour guide, local guide in Bolivia who... I don't know, I fell. He was only with the group for like three days and I fell head over heels in love with him like crazy like crazy it was really intense but it was only when he left the group we started sending each other a few messages like oh thanks you know it was really nice for you to join us when it all just opened up and he said that he felt the same way it was like this thunderbolt thing he had given me his like his necklace and I was wearing it and it was like this big romantic thing um and I was planning to, when I got back to the UK, we were Skyping all the time behind my ex's back. And um, I was planning to actually move to Bolivia to be with him. And my ex found out. And we had a massive, massive row about it. Of course, I mean, my gosh, like if the shoe had been on the other foot. <laughs> um, but... It was in that moment he said, you have to choose. You choose him or you choose me. And so I chose him. I wasn't brave enough to move. I wasn't, I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have enough courage to follow my heart. And so I had to cut things off with the guy in Bolivia. And I, my ex made me block him on Facebook, block his WhatsApp number, and a little part of me died there, 
very much so. But I convinced myself that I was making the right choice and that, gosh, it's really hard not to say my ex's name, <laughs> um, but I, that I'd made the right choice and so I convinced myself that, you know, here was a guy that loved me so much. He could provide for me. And, you know, I recognize now that he was very much on the narcissist spectrum and I got really hooked in because he did things like give me a credit card and, you know, tell me that he was going to take care of things. And for someone who had spent a lot of her life believing that she wasn't capable of looking after herself there was some underlying um I yeah I kind of felt like maybe I wouldn't be able to take care of myself financially which is crazy when I look at my life now I'm like yeah actually it's quite easy to look after yourself financially when you have the right beliefs so I let him look after me and I rationalized why I was with him so a few months later we were on this tropical island we had moved I'd quit my job we had moved to um go together and I was teaching yoga and uh, he joined me and I had some kind of purpose on that island I was teaching yoga although after a after a while it was um, you know teaching two yoga classes a day didn't feel enough for me or sometimes three or sometimes four it didn't feel enough for me even though the way I was teaching I was like oh I'm really like I know I'm living some kind of purpose here because I wasn't teaching like, you know, um, exercise. I was teaching deep spiritual exploration and transformation in my classes. But I was still feeling, I mean, this is another point, but I was still feeling like, oh, there's, there's definitely more I can be doing. But at least I had some sense of purpose, whereas he didn't. At that moment in time, he wasn't really working. And so the drink thing became a thing. And especially over there there was um this really really cheap rum um that was like two euros a bottle and it was lethal so he would spend a lot of his time drinking that and there were moments throughout our time there where things started to escalate and he would punish me tell me things like why am I wearing shorts like that like do I want everyone to see my vagina things like that um I wanted to I was really feeling into starting a, a jewelry company and making yoga jewelry for women especially mala beads and I ended up doing that after I left him but um you know he would say to me things like I want to be involved in it and I'd be like mm, okay I'm not really sure about that and then I'd be like yeah because it's primarily like for women it's women's empowerment you know like and he was like I don't want to be involved in anything that is just for women like red flag red flag red flag um there were times when he got so angry because his bike didn't wasn't working his motorbike wasn't working properly that he smashed up our room he smashed up a fan he smashed my things um and I was like he's never gonna hurt me he's never gonna hurt me red flag red flag red flag until the fateful night when it happened so it was a full moon party and I was out with my friend Kayla she's been on the show actually <laughs> and um we went to it was a yeah it was a full moon party and something was up with my ex he had a face on him he was just 
he was getting drunk, he was being rude, he wanted, so his brother was visiting us at that time, he wanted me to ride on the back of a motorbike with his brother, who was very, very young, I think, 16 at the time, and I was like, I'm not doing that, because um, I didn't have, I didn't have my motorbike, I don't know where it was, I was like, I'm not doing that, so we got into a big fight about it, and he went to this full moon party separately, I went separately, and um, I was I had I have this memory of being on the beach crying my eyes out and these two tourists came these two beautiful girls I don't know who they were but came and I said oh, I've had this massive I didn't know who they were but I had this massive argument with my boyfriend and they were hugging me and I was crying and they were like you know you deserve better I was like I do I really really deserve better I really deserve better so wiped the mascara off my face, went to went back to the party, saw my friends there, he was there, he looked at me and he poured beer in my hair. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. So I was like, right, okay, I'm gonna spend the rest of the night ignoring him. I just cannot do this. And I'm really questioning why I'm gonna let myself be treated like this. So spent the rest of the night with some friends, laughing, joking, and eventually he comes over and says, right, we're going, and it was about one o'clock in the morning, so it was relatively early for island time, and I was like, well, I don't want to go, and he's like, I'm going, and uh, the hut that we were staying in was about three or four kilometers away, and it was like pitch black, and it's not safe to walk, um, and I didn't have my bike, so I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to, so I got on the back with the bike with him and he was shit-faced and he was weaving everywhere and I was terrified and we weren't wearing helmets because that's not what you did in that place. Like if you had a helmet, it would get stolen. Although now like to think that I was like that, it's, it's insane. It was like this weird bubble. Please, if you ever go to any places in Asia, wear a helmet, please. Um, so we got back and he started shouting at me, telling me that... Um, it was my fault that I was moving on the back of the bike and that's why he was weaving and it was dangerous and I was so angry with him because he could have killed us. So I got in the shower anyway to wash the beer off my skin and my hair because, you know, I'd been covered in it by him. And I said something to him in the shower where I was so pissed off with him. I said something along the lines of, you know, this is why your other girlfriends didn't put up with this shit. And I instantly regretted it because in that moment he walked over and I saw the flash in his eyes. I saw this look of, it wasn't him. And it was that same look of contempt that I'd seen six weeks into our relationship. And he's like, what did you say? And immediately it was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like pleading, I can feel my body. As I'm just sharing this with you guys, I feel my body. That That is still there um working through it but it's still there and um he basically what happened and I don't really remember the I don't remember the 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 sequence of events but what I do remember is that he choked me um a couple of times by pushing his forearm into my throat and pinning me up against the wall of the shower and I do remember that I couldn't scream. I was trying to scream. And because he was 
because my throat was crushed, no sound was coming out. And then he said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to fucking kill you. And I believed him. And I was screaming, 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 hoping that maybe some of the neighbors and the neighboring huts would hear me and they would come and save me because I was convinced I was going to die. And he had got me cornered. And I don't know how long this went on for. It probably wasn't that long, but for me, it felt like a lifetime. And eventually, just as I thought I was getting away, I thought I calmed him down. I thought I was getting away. I said, baby, baby, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. You know, all of these horrible things that we have to do to protect ourselves. Because actually, I did fucking mean it. Um, Just as I was getting away, I don't know if he grabbed back of my head or I don't know what quite happened but he shoved me he shoved me so hard and I slipped because of the water in the shower and I smacked my head onto there was this kind of like wooden shelf bit on the wall and I split my forehead open and there was blood everywhere and because there was water as well it it just looked like a massacre and in that moment um it was like he snapped out of it Like he snapped out of it and he was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And then he said something along the lines of like, see what you made me do? And I said, no, I did not make you do this. And he said, no, I know you need to get away with me, uh, get away from me. I'm a brute. You know, you need to tell everyone about what happened. This is, I can't believe I've done this. Like, and he was crying and crying and crying and crying. And so we were, we were sat on the step that uh, went down from the living room to the bathroom and we just held each other. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I need to do everything I can to protect him. It was like this thing came up where I was like, I need to protect him. So I, um, he was smashed. So he went to bed and slept and was snoring and just, you know, and I was there lying next to him. Of course, I couldn't sleep. I was sending my friends messages saying, I've had an accident. I need to know which hospital I need to go to. Um, I think I need stitches and they were messaging me like you need to go now you need to go now Um, but I I couldn't ride by myself so I had to wait for him to wake up and then it was about 5 and 30 in the morning 6 in the morning before he woke up and then we drove to this hospital that let me tell you was not a hospital it's like a shack Um, and this um, local woman with a big needle stitched me up on my forehead and there were big three big gnarly stitches I looked like a scarecrow and um I still have the scar and she didn't do a very good job so it's um it's quite the scar is quite visible in certain light now what happened after is really interesting for me because you would have thought that I would leave him because I'd said that you know if a man hits me he only does it once but that's not what happens that's not what happened to me. I started, I was scared. I was really, really, really scared. I was scared to leave. I was scared that I couldn't make it by myself. We were in this tropical island. I was far, far away from the UK. Didn't know, all of our money was together. And I, so I, I wasn't that I didn't have access to it, but I was, I don't know. I had this weird fear that I wasn't going to be able to survive and that I needed him. And of course, he love-bombed me straight afterwards as well, looked after me, brought me pizza, 
was never going to do it again, all those kind of things. So even, yeah, it was, and the thing was I was lying to people. I was lying to people. Fuck Sarah, what happened to you? Oh my gosh, I'm so drunk. I slipped in the shower and fell. Like if anybody says that to you, it's not true. And I'm and they I know I know now that they knew. But they were laughing at me. And he was joining in with that laughter. He said that deep down inside of him he felt like he was dying. Yeah. Right. He felt like he was dying. So I couldn't teach for a while. And then when I did start teaching again, I felt like the biggest fraud. How can I be talking about feminine empowerment and women finding their power when I'm stuck in this abusive relationship? And the thing was, it wasn't a one-time only event. A few months after, he got super drunk and angry again, started smashing things around. And I called my friend to pick me up because again, I don't know why I kept leaving my motorbike places, but I, I called her to pick me up and to... Um, I stayed with her that night and this happened as well where actually my friend Kayla one night we were out and my ex did his usual getting drunk and being scary thing again and I actually didn't go back with him because I tried to go back on the back of his bike but he was being crazy again and I ran away from him terrified and I spent the night with my friend with Kayla and a couple of our other friends, and I, I was like, I'm not going back to him, I'm gonna leave him, I'm gonna leave him, and they were like, great, go pick your stuff up, come and stay with us, and I got back there to pick up my stuff, and he was there, and I couldn't do it. It wasn't until I, we left that tropical island and I moved to where I am now, in Portugal. Now originally, he was supposed to join me out here. But as soon as I was here, I realized that I was safe. And I was alone. And I felt scared. And I couldn't get out of bed in the morning, some mornings, because I didn't know a single soul here. And I just thought, I'm so lonely. But that was better than living in that cage. And so I told him not to come. It took me space and freedom to recognize what I deserved. That I wasn't available for that anymore. And that was my chance. And I knew that if he came here, he would taint this place for me. And we went backwards and forwards during that period where... I was like, don't come. And then I was feeling so bad. I was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move back to the UK. We can be together. But eventually I was like, no, 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 no. I know my worth. And I'm so unbelievably grateful that that happened and that I found that inner strength and that bravery. Because really it's all about bravery and knowing what we deserve. So Why? Why did I ignore all those red flags? Why did I endure that abuse? Looking back now, I recognize it's because as women, 
subtly and not so subtly, we have been conditioned to self-sacrifice. We have been conditioned to stay quiet, to keep the peace. We have been conditioned to question our own view, our own opinions. And this runs deep. We're not just conditioned during our childhood and even in our adult years. This is collective stuff. This is ancestral stuff. It's still very difficult for women to speak out. We only need to look at what happens with women who've spoken out against uh, rapists and how they get treated by the press. We only have to look at that to recognize that to speak out as a woman, the system does not protect us yet. It does not. And there is discrimination and bias against women who speak out. Why did I stay with him? Because I had been conditioned to. Now I am no expert in terms of like research as to why women stay with in abusive relationships with narcissistic people. And this isn't about men versus women, by the way. This could happen in a single, uh, in a same sex relationship and it can happen the other way around as well. But statistically, it is more likely to happen to a woman. Why? Because of conditioning. Why? Because of patriarchal conditioning. The reason that he acted the way he did was because he suffered some abuse during his childhood. I, I cannot speak about that at any great length. That's not my story to tell. And why? Because of conditioning because of patriarchal paradigms which basically says you have to act like a big tough man and not be weak and not be vulnerable which is seen as weak so I speak out because this is my process of deconditioning if I had heard my story through another woman I think I would have questioned things a bit more. Speaking up, speaking out, speaking our truth, no matter how shameful it is, is our path to liberation. And this is why I encourage all the women who work with me, whether it's in the Limitless Academy, my priestess program, or one-to-one, -to, -one, to share her truth. No matter how scary, no matter how worried she is that she's going to be judged because this is what sets us free this is what liberates us isn't it curious that in that situation my cultural conditioning was stronger than my inner survival instincts to set to run away and to defend myself and keep myself safe from danger that my cultural conditioning was stronger. Wow. So if you find yourself in this situation, or if this has really triggered something within you and it reminds you of something in your own life, I want you to know that you are not alone. Whatever situation, toxic situation that you're in, that you've had several red flags already, I want you to know that you can leave it, that you are brave enough to leave it. And there are people out there that can help you 
So you can search for them. You can find safety in them. And know that you are so valuable that you deserve to be treated with respect. You deserve to live a long, loving, happy life and to be the woman who you are. And if any of this spoke to you, then please send me a message. I'm here for you. I know what this is like. And I am a testimony to the fact that you can live a life that is beyond your wildest dreams and that you can know your value. I know my value now. I'm able to set boundaries now. I'm able to cut people out of my life now. And I, I spoke about this in the healing, the sister wound episode. I'm able to cut people out of my life now who are not good for me. And I'm grateful that now I, I recognize these red flags and if anything feels like, I trust it, nine times out of 10. But I'm still in process too. So it's been quite a heavy one, this one, hasn't it? But there is light because this is all about reclamation. This is a woman sharing her story. Every word of it is true. Every single word of it is true. And I now live in Portugal with my doggy and my partner, Mara, who, my God, he loves me. My God, he respects me. And I know the difference now. I know the difference between being love bombed by someone who deep down does not respect you and real deep love. So I'm sending you so much love, guys. And um, we've got some really awesome episodes coming up with some really amazing guests. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And I love you all. Thank you so much for tuning into the Rise Priestess podcast. If this episode spoke to you, you can contribute greatly by sharing it to your Instagram stories. Make sure that you also tag me at Dr. Sarah Coxon so that I can personally reach out and thank you. And if you're not already a member of my Instagram community, you can pop over there now and join us. I keep it very real over there, sharing behind the scenes of my life and business to inspire you to live life and do business your own way. You can also apply to be a guest on the show by emailing sarah at Dr. Sarah Coxon with the subject podcast guest. You can also head over to my website. The link is in the show notes to find out more about how I can help you step into your unique priestesshood to unlock deep contribution and potent prosperity. See you next time.